Hi, welcome to Weird Times, a podcast about mental health during COVID-19, brought to you by Hard Feelings. I'm Kate Scowan, the founder of Hard Feelings and a social worker in private practice. In this podcast, we're going to talk about mental health and specifically about mental health during COVID times, or what I've been simply referring to as weird times. We want this podcast to be a space that builds community with compassion and care for what you're going through now. It's not meant to replace a therapy session, but we hope it can help you in other ways by providing information and insights and by sharing stories of how others are struggling and coping. Today, actually, in response to a listener's request, we're going to talk about coping mechanisms during COVID-19. Specifically, we're going to talk about using words. There's lots of reasons you might be feeling overwhelmed right now, and there are just as many reasons that you may not be able to express what it is you're feeling and needing. Words help us communicate our pain and desires, and they connect us to each other, and they help us get our needs met. Words are powerful. At some point, we've all been hurt by someone's words, hurt others with our own, or been moved by the lyrics of a favorite song. Right now, the world is extra confusing and unpredictable, and the power of our words is actually a pretty great hammer in our coping toolkit. Rana Bloom is joining us to chat about using words as a tool for coping during these weird times. Rana is a poet and a psychotherapist. She's the creator of the Poet in Residence program at Mount Sinai Hospital and the Spontaneous Poetry Booth, where she offers personalized poetry as a prescription for well-being. Rana's work is grounded in the idea that poetry can be healing. When a poem works, it can reflect an experience that has not yet been articulated. Welcome, Rana. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Kate. Thanks for joining us. How are you doing in these weird times? Oh, changing. Changing, nice. Changing. It's, it sort of feels minute by minute, you know. Um, you could have asked me that this morning, and I would have said one thing, and now I feel another thing. And, you know, when we're done, I'll feel all sorts of other things. So, I mean, I think that's always true, but now it feels especially intense and, 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 and weird. And I think we're noticing it more, right? Our feelings, yeah, emotions, feelings, words, bodily sensations, responses to all of it, because it is such a weird time. Yeah, everything's heightened. Everything's heightened. That's a good word. Everything's heightened. So, Rana, tell us about the power of words and specifically the power of poetry. This is, you know, uh, you're the world that you live in and uh, words are, you know, the tools of your trade. So can you talk a little bit about what you see as the power of words being and and the power of poetry? Yeah, yeah, I can. Um, um, even even just a little bit a little bit ago, you asked me something about how I was feeling in this time, and I said everything is heightened, and you said heightened. That's a good word. And sometimes there's just a word that lands that really touches something. It captures something. It's like yeah, that's the word. And it is uh, there's something satisfying about that. I think when you hit the word that actually means what you feel. Um, that's simply in words. And then, of course, when you string them together in sentences, they can be pretty strong, positively and negatively. And in poems, well, but rather than talk about the power of poetry, I thought maybe I would just read you a poem. That would be fantastic. A really short poem. Okay. It's a poem by Hafiz, who's a 16th century, I think 16th century Persian poet. I wish I could show you when you are lonely or in darkness the astonishing light of your own being. I'm going to read it again. I wish I could show you 
when you're lonely or in darkness, the astonishing light of your own being. That's beautiful. Yeah, right? And powerful and moving. Yeah, now let that in for a minute because it you can feel it in there. I think for me what happens with that poem is there is this intention, this desire on the part of the person speaking, the wisher, of like so it's so it's so full of wanting to show the other person how much how much what they see, mm-hmm. the wish. And then the other person being lonely or in darkness and you feel lonely and in darkness i can actually feel it kind of coming over me like a cloud the astonishing light okay i'm with you in the light but of your own being it's like a whole light bulb in my body goes on it's like the whole thing radiates out of me it's almost it's so much it's me and it's bigger than me and I think that's what poetry also does, is it gives me a place to rest that's me and bigger than me, like I can rest in it. And it's also about, like for me, when I hear that poem, I felt I feel really kind of seen in ways that I don't often allow myself to be seen, right? That someone actually, if someone said that to me, it would be, oh, like there's a vulnerability to it. Right, like th- there's sort of like, oh, you see me that way, but there's also such a a warmth and almost, um, yeah, sort of a deep appreciation of that someone's really actually maybe seeing me that I'm I'm actually being seen in a way that's positive and um, brilliant and radiant and you know in the inside because often when we're locked in our own darkness. It's really hard to see past that. It's really hard. People can say, you're great, whatever. But when you're locked inside your own sadness, your own trauma, your own depression, your own anxieties, it's hard to actually take that in. You know, the first word that struck me was the the lonely piece, right? And I think we're all feeling a sense of loneliness and a sense of loss around what's happening right now. And the way those words are put together is really moving. That's that's the thing. It's how they're put together because you're right. It is about the the content, about the lonely, like that we are all struggling with some kind of loneliness now, mm-hmm. whether we're really alone or with, with, with people. We're inside ourselves in a lonely place. And But if I say, um, oh, I, I know you're feeling lonely, that has a, and, and, and I think you're wonderful, that has a certain impact. But if I say, I wish I could show you when you're lonely or in darkness, the astonishing light of your own being, the power of that is, is the poem. And it's bigger than the words. It has the words, but the, it carries more. So the poem itself is doing a lot more work for us than the, than the regular speaking, you know, the daily, the way I'm talking to you now. And what is that about poetry? Like, you know, there's so many words that, you know, when I talk about remembering the lyrics of a beloved song or a favorite song, there's things about the way we string words together, like you're saying, that have a greater impact. Why Why is that? What is it about? Because poetry is not um, haphazard. It's a really uh, well thought out craft. Someone is really, it's hard to do in some ways. You know, 
It, it is. It's a craft for sure. And yet also there are lines that I'm sure you hear coming out of your own mouth and, and for sure out of the mouths of people you spend time with, we hear each other's lines and we go, oh my God, that's such a great line. And that line might be the beginning of a poem because it just captures something. So there is something about paying attention to our own language, our own metaphors, the things that, that kind of call us. That take that may become a poem, and the poem then has its own kind of wisdom and its own structure. It, it may later be crafted very carefully, but sometimes initially, just as it's kind of pouring out of you, it just comes kind of the words are just queuing up behind themselves, and they're just coming out. So, so in some ways, it's just letting letting yourself hear the language that wants to come. And language is, it's the, there is this beauty of the language that you're describing and a rhythm. It's something about the beauty of the language, the rhythm, as much about the content and the meaning. So that sometimes I find that even if I hear a poem in another language that I don't speak, I can feel something about it. I, I can, I, it, it, it touches something in me, even if I don't intellectually understand it because there's a rhythm in it. It is somewhere between speaking and music. And there's a, a healing in that, I think, for a lot of people. And you've, a lot of your work has been around that, using poetry and words and rhythm as healing. So whether it's as the uh, poet in residence at Mount Sinai or the spontaneous poetry booth where you were prescribing poetry for people um, as a sort of a, a way to support their well-being and and to move them in certain ways, right? There's a real healing that can happen. So it, can you talk a little bit about that, your experiences using poetry um, as a, a coping mechanism and as a, a way to heal? So I have to admit that I rarely, if ever, say that I use poetry to heal because I always feel it sets me up too much. Right. That's the big expectation. Yeah. And I don't want to do that. And then, and then I don't know if it will be true. And all I really want to do is, is ooh, something you said in there, it to, to make an offering that I hope will fit with what they're experiencing. If, um, and, and that will move them. You said move them, open them, shift something. Something will shift in them that will make, make a change. So either there will be some, well, I'll go back to, you were mentioning the spontaneous poetry booth. So the spontaneous poetry booth is where I sit at a table with a sign that says the poet is in, like Lucy and Charlie Brown. People come over and I say, what do you need a poem for? And then I write it on the spot and then I give it to them. I read it to them and I give it to them. And so, the, so do they just say, I need a, a poem for grief or do they give you more information around that? It's a great question. It's really important because, you know, like, Three people could say, I need a poem for grief, and they would be very different poems, right? There'd be very different needs in different moments. Somebody may have lost their dog. Somebody may be feeling the grief at the world. Someone maybe just broke up with a partner. Um, the grief is different. And so I want to ask, and, and it is a really interesting moment because I'm sitting down with a stranger, and they might think, oh, this, this is a stranger. She can't really be interested in what I want, so I better be quick. And then I try to slow down and say, 
well, what is it, even if you don't, you don't have to make sense, it doesn't have to be articulate, I, I kind of coax a little bit, encourage them to say more um, about what it is, all the things coming in, and then when I get the whole picture from what they say, the content and what I experience of how they seem to be feeling, I, um, I say, well, when I get the first line, then we'll stop talking. And I'll just write it, and then I'll read it to you, and we'll see what happens. And I say to them, good or bad, you get what's coming. In order to be able to write that, I have to really get out of the way of trying to make it anything. Like, just to really, really hear what's coming as much as I can, as widely as I can. And then when I read it to them, it's like a moment of with a, with somebody where you know, like, if I, it, I know it either hits or it doesn't hit, like a... You know, if you're with a, a client and you see, you can see in that moment, everybody can feel, oh, that that touched me, like a treatment. If it is a medical health treatment, you know, if the treatment works. So we see that, and then I give it to them. And the other version is what you mentioned is the, the prescriptions, where I have RX for poetry booth, where I sit. And I have prescriptions already on prescription pads, and some of them are poems I've written, and some of them are poems by uh, Langston Hughes or Emily Dickinson or all kinds of well-known poets. And I look for the poem that might fit that person. And so in both cases, I'm trying to very much listen and um, offer something that I think will articulate for them maybe what hasn't, what they haven't said yet, what hasn't been said yet. And that can be a, a real relief. And I, I love the idea, too, of the spontaneous poetry booth when you're writing a poem for someone specifically, the collaborative process, which almost is in in a lot of ways like a therapy session, right? Or a therapeutic, you know, exchange where you're engaging the person in the process. You got it. It is entirely like that. It is so, and yet, and yet it is so seemingly innocent because anyone can sit down and I'm not saying I'm doing therapy, but it is a very collaborative. And so, yeah, I'm very careful and I, I, I'm very appreciative. I think it's such a risk that we both take in a way. Mm -hmm. They come and be vulnerable to a stranger and I don't know if I'm going to have anything. Right. Like every therapy session, not that, like you said, not that you're doing therapy, but that's sort of, that's how it goes. And it's, it's kind of similar to, it sounds like to when you think about collaborative note taking in narrative therapy, right? That sort of let's write this, this note of what happened here today together, you know, a copy for you to take and a copy for me to hold, or maybe not even for me to hold, but it's yours. What happened here today is yours. It's exactly like that. I mean, it's wonderful to talk to you because this work really came out of my work as a psychotherapist mm -hmm. on one hand and as a poet writing on the other hand and seeing the the sort of connection of those two things. And right now, though I'm not uh, practicing as a psychotherapist, all of that information and, and learning and love is fueled and funneled into this. So that's, for, that's one way for people to experience the power of poetry is to receive a poem written or, 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 or a poem that they have in a book. But the other way that I, that I, that I work is to uh, find ways for people to write their own experiences and to express. And that is as powerful, just a different way and a different moment and a different need. And I think, you know, poetry in some ways 
maybe this is just my experience, but it gets a bit of a bad rap. People are like, I don't really get poetry. Um, I don't know how to write. I'm not a poet. I can't write a poem. You know, roses are red, violets are blue, maybe. Um, how do I, you know, there's, there's, I think, some fear and stigma around poetry. Absolutely, absolutely. A hundred percent. People have a lot of barriers to poetry, even if they willingly are coming to a workshop. I always ask at the beginning of a workshop, and I sort of do it tongue in cheek. I joke, who here has poetry trauma? Right. <laughs> Grade seven poetry trauma. And everybody, half the people kind of get these sheepish grins. And even if they were willingly there internally, there's some part of them a little bit afraid. Not everybody. Some people are excited, but they're a little bit afraid of something. And I want to have that out before we begin. What is it that, what is, what was your experience or what is your stigma about poetry that makes it um, intimidating, daunting? Um, I'm not interested. I'm a bad poet. Like, and, and people then just say a few things that releases that in the room. That There's always somebody who's using grade seven, you know, I was told to analyze this poem and I felt dumb or I, 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 my poems were criticized, even though I loved all the, the thing that causes me the most pain is when someone says I loved writing, but my teacher criticized me. I mean, that just kills me. That I feel uh, is just unforgivable. Um, to squelch that kind of love and it's really about sort of lighting a fire under the gate but all that is there in the room before people begin all that criticism and fear and ju judgment of their own work and so I tried to find a way to open the space that they can write without without with, with as little impediment as possible to whatever matters to them whatever's alive and hot and true and um and so what I do, and I and I want to offer this now to you, and to your to your to the listeners who are listening to us right now, um, is I give five rules for writing. Do you think people will be interested in that? Absolutely. Yeah, I want to hear them. You want to hear them? Okay. So here are the five rules for writing, and I will acknowledge that the first four rules come from the writer Natalie Goldberg in her book Writing Down the Bones, which was a book that she wrote in 1986 and it's a very very useful book around um, writing practice and writing exercises and if people want to order that they might be able to get it eventually out of the library um she has these are her four but i add one at the end which we'll talk about so here they are and you can write them down one don't think don't think two keep your hand moving three don't censor. Four, you are free to write the worst crap possible. And five, you don't have to share. What would happen if I didn't give you that fifth rule? Like, what would happen in terms of the other rules? It would be hard to not censor. It would be hard uh, to be okay with it being crap. Yeah, exactly. So it's really, really essential to know that part. And, you know, these rules sound simple, but they're, they're, they're quite hard because we're, we have so many filters on our, our experiences, what we're allowed to say, how we're allowed to say it, how, how real we can get, how ecstatic, how wild, how angry, how excited, how sad, and what way we do it and how grammatical and all that. And so, so, so it can be very hard to to, to go with these rules, but I really encourage it as a, as a practice that you'll, you know, keep kind of going, 
um, oh, there, I'm, I'm, I'm judging myself, and just kind of keep going, knowing that you don't have to share it with anyone. But it doesn't mean you can't share it with anyone because after you've written things, you might think, oh, I kind of like this. I kind of do want someone to see this. But the point really is to create this space in a notebook or wherever you can that is your space to write that is just yours to be able to express but the, the the whatever you're going through right now mm -hmm. and i think now too you know when um a lot of people have been talking about what it's like to have to self-isolate um with people uh, family that they wouldn't normally have to uh, be confined with or partners or uh, roommates, friends, whatever, and that there's a lot of irritation coming up. There's a lot of frustration about how people are living together and, you know, compounded by uh, the weird times that we're living in, um, the unpredictability. And I, it, I feel like there's a way that perhaps as a coping mechanism, being able to find a quiet space so whether it's you know in your room but now maybe in the park and to have a notebook and to be able to start playing with words and writing things down that can help you kind of process how you're feeling and trying to figure out what it is you need what you maybe need to articulate or maybe just what unspoken boundary you need to set with a roommate um, in a space and to sort of feel less stressed and less overwhelmed it, I think that that actually as a coping tool right now um, first of all it's free right except for maybe the pencil and the piece of paper you can write it on your phone as well that there's there's a it's very accessible for a lot of people whereas you know talking about how poetry maybe has not felt accessible but if you're not sharing it and you're they're just words and you're writing them down and they're just for you there's a real accessibility in that I think so too. It's very true, and it is free, um, and it's available. It's right there in your hand. Um, in terms of of, of um, finding out what you need, or or what you know, if, as you said, if there's a boundary to set, or what you need, or what you're feeling, those things may come through the writing. Because sometimes you're in such a state in the writing that the writing is kind of like a chaos. It feels kind of like a childhood word of mine, Mishka Bibble. Like it's just too, it's too, but, but that needs to come out in its kind of, I think of it as a pipeline of emotion. Mm -hmm. Like we get, we open the pipeline and then all the feelings come rushing out like water mm -hmm. and you can't really choose, okay, which, which feelings am I going to get? I'm, you get it all or else the type tap is off. And then you let them pour out for a while until the flow kind of quietens down. And then you can begin to see in the flow, oh, look here, this is actually a need. I keep repeating this over and over. So sometimes it's through the writing process that you find out. It takes a little bit of time for it to move through for you to see what's in that mm -hmm. stuff that's coming out. Sometimes it's just one line that you've written after pages that you go, that line, that line is really, really what I need now. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I like that. And I, you know, it's sort of picking out what, you know, the three words that you said a little earlier that have stuck with me, alive and hot and true. You know, what, what keeps coming back for you that's alive and hot and true in this moment and see that a little more clearly. I think you've just given a writing prompt to, 
to all of us just now where any of us who want to try and write after after listening to this could go and pick up the pen and go what's alive what's a, what's alive and hot and true for me right now what's hot for me right now what's true for me right now you know and those would be really great prompts to just go with the five rules and don't think so there we've started something maybe we we need to set you know um intentions to sort of attend to ourselves that way and and think about those things as we you know are uh struggling together through all of this and and trying to find better ways to cope or ways to cope that actually feel um comfortable for us that we're not losing our cool or not getting into conflicts or not um feeling oppressed by our own feelings so being able to kind of sit with what is alive and hot and true. That's so great. Yeah. So thank you. This is all so uh, informative, but also uh, inspiring to me. I think I'm going to be writing more poetry as a result for sure. Um, and um, you have a lot of offerings that we're going to direct people to after events and workshops. But I'm just wondering if there's any um, final thing that you'd want to you know, let the listeners kind of walk away with as they maybe walk through a door to the world of words and poetry um, during COVID as they navigate this whole new era that we're living in? Well, I actually, what I'd like to do is offer a poem that I wrote on March 13th. Mm -hmm. So it was just two days after the pandemic was declared. Dear heart, this is not a normal time. So forgive yourself for not being normal. You never were. Now you have a good reason and company. I think the other thing about this, this poem, which is the sort of secret kicker that I kind of love, maybe even the most, is that you never were, is that nobody is normal and nobody ever was normal. And there is some strange thing if there can be positive things coming out of this time it's that there is more room for vulnerability as a human experience rather than an aberration mm -hmm. and there's more room for for the fact that we are all not there is no such thing as normal and and that we have company you have company, oh. right? You have good reason. You, everybody is feeling this way. You're not alone. And I think the idea of you know the the word normal. Um, is complicated for a lot of people. Um, and and I think all of us in our own ways quietly walk through the world feeling maybe not normal. Um, and which alongside that goes with, oh, then I'm not right, or there's something wrong with me, or there's something broken in me that needs to be fixed. And I, I think we see that a lot in... Uh, uh, psychotherapy, um, people who feel like, you know, they come in and say, this is, I'm not normal. There's something wrong with me. So that poem for me is just a way of accepting and embracing that and just kind of declaring it and saying, here it is. Here we all are together. And maybe it took this super weird time to reveal this. Um, but here we are all being not normal together. And again, just a great demonstration of how words alone but also strung together with rhythm and also just read beautifully by you there's a lot just to get to listen to you read a poem um can really be healing so 
thank you so much for joining us today and chatting with us. Um, I I know for myself, this has been, like I said, inspiring, and, and I hope it has for the people listening too, and, and hopefully a little bit of fun for you. Oh, really wonderful for me. It infuses me to talk about poetry and to talk about poetry with someone who cares about people and listeners and and words and language and uh, I'm really happy to do it thank you thanks for listening today if you want to learn more about Rana's work take a course or talk with her about organizing an event you can find her at ranabloom.com to learn more about hard feelings you can find us at hardfeelings.org or on Instagram and Facebook at hardfeelingsto If you're in crisis, check the resource list on our website for some places you can connect with in Toronto or reach out to your local distress center or helpline. We hope you'll send us your questions to include in future episodes. Let us know what you're struggling with and how we might be of support to you. We're in this together and we're here to help. You can reach me at kate at hardfeelings.org. Weird Times is produced and edited by Rij Almi. It was recorded at the Dark Studio Sound Company in Toronto. Please note that this podcast is meant strictly for informational purposes and is not a substitute for mental health care from a regulated health professional. Stay tuned, stay well, and stay home.